All right. Hi, Jack Donovan. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. So it's the um, 10th year anniversary of Way of Men. Yes. Um, for me, when I read it at the time, which is approximately 10 years ago, it was uh, quite influential on me personally. And I saw its potential to be quite influential uh, for all men across the world who would ever pick it up. Um, it sort of gave me a fantastic scope in regards to uh, what it means to be a man uh, effectively. And uh, it was something I really needed to hear at the time when I was like around 21, 22. Um, really, really important, really uh, profound message for me at the time. So I want to, I want to talk about that, talk to you about that for a minute. What inspired you to write the way of men or what was the intent or purpose behind it initially? Initially, uh, some guys write books just to write books and uh, to to get on the bestsellers list or to make a product or whatever, and you can kind of tell which ones those are. And uh, you know, I at the time, I mean, I you know, I'd only written one one and a half books, I would say, by that point. And so, like uh, the Way of Men, I wrote it because someone asked me a really good question, and I thought I could find a really good answer and a lot of the books i write i don't know how they're going to end or what i'm really saying when i start but you that's the part of writing that's hard is you're trying to wrap around and like make this all make sense and then like maybe it wasn't what you thought it was going to be by the end uh maybe you found something out like science you know you did some research um so i yeah i started out with the way of men someone said that I didn't uh, define masculinity very well when I was talking about it, which most men don't. Uh, when they talk about masculinity, they talk about, you know, some movie quotes and some things that they've heard and their dad said, and my uncle said this, and, uh, you know, it's all very vague and it's all, a lot of it's very cultural. And I, and that I was also responding to what we see now that's very big in society, which but was much smaller and not, a lot of people weren't aware of it then, which was this kind of camp that says gender, gender doesn't exist. Uh, like there is no difference between the sexes at all. And like, it's all made up. And uh, one of the, the ideas of it was that masculinity doesn't exist there. It's not real. It's just this, it's a psyop, you know? And, uh, and I was like, I'm like, I don't think that that's true. And like, how would you define it? And uh, so that was my project with the way of men. Well, well, how do I define this in a way that's always true and not just true for this group or that group or the other group, or, you know, we like this kind of beer and this, we only drink vodka in Russia. And, you know, like it's, it, what's real, you know, like what's always true. You know, what, what would people a thousand years ago say? Yeah, I think you got it. That's about it. And uh, so I think I did. I, I'm pretty proud of it. Uh, I think I nailed it. And uh, so yeah, yeah, that was the project with the Way of Men was to to, to answer that question. So it was a, it was effectively um, prompted by someone. What does it mean to be a man? And uh, it sort of prompted a, an investigative kind of uh, journey for you, and that stimulated writing the book. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, because I was saying yeah, I'd gotten to the point which I wasn't at when I was a young man, but where I, I got to the point where like, no, masculinity is good, and men should be strong, and they should do this and that. But I was it was all very you know, the way most people talk about it, it was all very, you know, pulled from different sources and not making a lot of sense and, and very cultural. Yeah. yeah. Even um, uh, prior to, and because myself and um, I'm sure many other 
the guys in the Western world uh, are using your scope to describe effectively what it means to be a man, um, strength, courage, mastery, and honor. Um, so prior to that, uh, as, as a young guy who was trying to figure himself out, so to speak, um, when someone would say, what does it mean to be a man? You sort of, uh, um, I guess, stay uh, strong and maybe have beards. And um, yeah, like there, there was kind of no, there was nothing definitive that I had come by at that stage. And although I don't think it can be specifically defined because it may vary from culture to culture to a degree, but um, there was no sort of scope until I heard the, uh, the tactical virtues that you had written. Um, and, and as I said, I think that's, that's a fantastic sorry, a fantastic foundation for someone to find their masculinity or to gauge masculinity in certain spheres. Um, really, really, and I've seen uh, those tactical virtues reference multiple times across and not just in, uh, in this sort of online sphere or anything alike. I've seen it referenced multiple times. So I'd say that your uh, book was pretty effective in, in reaching a broad audience and um, obviously a very, very, and I've said it already eight times, but a very effective and powerful message and how you delivered it. And um, well, from what it appears, true, uh, accurate, accurate, I'll call it, you know what I mean? Was um, And so something I found interesting, uh, I described it to a, a guy who'd asked me, um, what's a good book about masculinity? You know, what's, what's a good book to help me sort of discover my own masculinity, so to speak? And I said, The Way of Men by Jack Donovan. Um, and he said, oh, what's that about? And I said, look, the best way I can describe it is, it's almost like a combination of evidence for throughout uh, cultural history from multiple cultures and, and how they have individually or some aspects in which they have individually found what it means to be a man because of either being protectors or providers or uh, something along those lines. So there was, a, I assume, a heap of research in regards to historical cultures and, and history uh, as a broad spectrum. A lot of research went into that, I assume, to sort of um, formulate that into a kind of uh, evidence-based uh, summary, I guess would be the word. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of research. It was a lot of me. Uh, there was an earlier version of the book, um, which I got told by this uh, physicist, oddly enough, who I was talking to. He writes a great blog. His name is Scott Lachlan. I actually reached out to him recently when I was writing the new afterword to The Way of Men. I reached out to him because I was like, oh, I wonder what Scott's doing. I haven't talked to him in like five years or whatever. But at the time, we were both, uh, you know, writing for some similar sites and, and whatever. And, and uh, he's a really great writer. And uh, he still he still writes the same blog at the same site. It's like Lachlan on Science or something. And uh, I sent it to him and he sent it back to me. And he, he's kind of a science. He's a science guy, but he's also kind of a thug. So he's a good he's a good mix. And uh, he's like, don't read good. Uh, and, and it was because, um, I did what everyone does when they try to write like a New York times bestseller or whatever is that they go through all the arguments that have been presented recently in the media mm. and like, like, well, so-and-so said this and so-and-so said this and so-and-so said this. And he's like, this is like half of what other people said. Um, you're like, what are you saying? Yeah. And, um, uh, he's like, well, let's just start with that that campfire reference you remember and i was like oh okay well, all right i'll go back and it took me another like six months to like put it all back together again and the the smaller book and which i'm putting out in the hardcover of of the way of men that's coming out it's kind of out um you can do order it on amazon i just haven't gotten my copy yet but um 
it's it's called no man's land and i've had it as a free ebook on my site for forever but that was where i did all my research that's like where i show my work where i actually went through and engaged all the feminist arguments of what they're saying and tried to make sense of it like well this is not true because of this and this is not true because of that so when guys get outraged about the latest thing in the news i'm like yeah they've been saying that for 30 years bro um that's the same thing you know like uh so it's it's useful for that because they you know i've already done that work and nothing's changed uh so it's just gotten more you know they've just gotten you know they've made headway uh but they've they've had the same agenda for a very long time so i did that research there and that's where i show my work and also there was obviously a lot of research um a lot of people almost don't know now because the you know the the manosphere or whatever has changed so much uh, from what it was then. I did some research when I was writing the afterward now, looking back on what was going on then. And it was all kinds of, you know, it was, it was, A, it was the, it was a wild west internet. Shit that you wouldn't say now. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and uh, it was all, you know, a lot of some anonymous blogs and dating guys who were like, women don't behave like they say they do, you know, like kind of, you know, like figuring stuff out and a blog called Chateau Hartiste and, a lot of it was pulling from evolutionary psychology. And that was a lot of where my sourcing and reading came from, like, because I wanted to know what was always true. So you go back to before even history, like what, what do we all have in common? What do we all do? And that's, you know, where I got a lot of the ideas for the way of man. And I actually am looking into that. I, uh, I would like to go back and, and see what evolutionary you know, psychologists are writing now. Cause I haven't really followed up with a lot of that research. I would like to see, you know, what maybe pull from that for more posts or whatever, uh, because to me, I mean, like that's that's our common history is how we evolved, and uh, you know that you get into all these spaces where you have different religions and different whatever, and then they're going to put their own spin on what masculinity is, but uh, you know the stuff that we've been doing forever and ever is the stuff that still is in the back of our heads, you know, that we're still doing. So I think that that's a good place to start for a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. It's uh, interesting how many um, topics have almost come full circle in a similar way. For example, uh, a lot of the nutrition industry is sort of revisiting what may be best for us based on an evolutionary standpoint. And um, so pulling so many elements from our uh, evolution as humans and trying to utilize that as evidence for it being um, better for us, you know, throughout uh, various topics. And um I read and I reference this book all the time, Michael Easter's book called The Comfort Crisis. And um, uh, he explains, you know, obviously civilized man has only exist for 0.000004% of, uh, of human history. Well, you know, advanced human history to a degree that um, it's funny that we sort of think we all have everything figured out now within like the last 20 or 30 years, or as if we're def- redefining everything in this such a small period of time. Uh, in comparison to what always was. And I think the same thing applies with social issues to a degree. Obviously, um, elements are gonna are going to evolve and change as society does work as well. But I mean, I think part of brings me back to the point, what was uh, what it means to be a man has kind of always been. And and to quote you, um, I completely agree. I don't think you can necessarily argue around that because it has always been historical based existence. Um right. So what you wanted to answer a question in writing the way of men and evidently you successfully did that. Um, 
have you found, I mean, would you say that was a book that effectively, and, and I don't mean to, um, what, how do I term this? Did you find that that was your big step forward as a writer? Was that like a big pivotal point in your career as a writer, that book that sort of shot you off into the, uh, into the author sphere, so to speak? It still pays my bills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's uh, <laughs> really glad I wrote that book. Uh, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it, yeah, that was, I mean, that's the most important book I'll ever write, uh, which is a weird thing to, to have already done. Yeah. You know? uh, but uh, I mean, that's, and, I, and I, I've known that for a long time. Uh, I mean, like you only get to define masculinity once, you know, like, <laughs> like that's kind of a big project. And like, I, I, I don't know what else I can do. That's going to top that. Uh, so, um, you know, everything else is kind of elaborations on a theme, um, you know, which is, which is why I like my, my last book fire in the dark. Uh, Cause I feel like it actually came full circle for me. And I went back to kind of the, the campfire and uh, the same primal basis that I was pulling from, you know, I've, obviously been on in all kinds of places and gotten all kinds of trouble uh since then but uh i you know went back to my roots there and um you know just kind of built that out and elaborated on what uh, these things that we've always been doing and what they you know how they pertain to myth and religion and so forth and and i think that it really added to it so now those are my two favorite books you know the, the, the first one and the last one uh you know as far as yeah i think Fire in the Dark Bright might be my technically best book. At least it's very technical. But uh, you know, it's it's it, most Way of Men is probably most important. Maybe Fire in the Dark will get will grow on people over time. But the Way of Men did too. I mean, it's not like I was selling what I sell now, like right out of the gate. You know, I was yeah. just like I was sitting there with an Excel spreadsheet, like how do I get on some podcasts and like sell some books this month and whatever. You know, I mean, it started out slow, uh, so. You know, it, it takes time, but now it, I've I've been lucky enough with the way of men that men give it to their friends and like buy multiple multiple copies and pass them out and and uh, whatever they do that in the military. I've had like whole units that are like, oh yeah, my whole unit read yours is your book, like whatever while we were in country, you know. And uh, so that's that's really exciting. I don't know how I do that again, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, but it's it, 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 yeah, it's it's you know i'll have to figure out what to do next but yeah it's definitely the you know my my basis that i pull from you know okay um, and the, the it's cool too to be 10 years in and uh you know reread that you know because i was writing the afterward for it again and uh yeah so i read reread it and i had to reformat it because i'm dumb and i do everything myself and uh you know i'm like wow i, I put a lot of footnotes in that because that, that was a pain in the ass to fucking put all those footnotes back in and re and copy all the italicies like individually and and uh and, but yeah, I mean, to go back through that and I've gone back through it a couple of times in the past few years. And like, I still agree with myself, which is not always the case, but uh, with the way of man, I'm like, no, I'm still right about that, which is, it's just cool. <laughs> you know, I think it, uh, it's, it's a pretty great, sorry, my dog's barking. Uh, it's a pretty great legacy to, even if you hypothetically never went on to write anything ever again. I think it's right. a fantastic legacy to leave, even if that was your first, last, and only book. Um, yeah. I think it's again, and I could. I probably just should have shut up and gone and hid in the woods, <laughs> <laughs> and then people would write stories about the weird Jack Donovan and what you know. Instead, <laughs> I'm like, the, yeah, the, the, you know, I'm just me. Yeah. So like the, you know, but uh, 
you know, if I would be a, if I I'd be a, like Batman, I should be like a myth and like uh, something untouchable and elemental. Yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> um, far in the dark. I uh, when I have recommended to a few people, um, a few guys who are sort of trying to reach out to on a personal level, um, I mention religion, you know, and I say there's aspects of, of spirituality and and religion in that book, and they sort of oh. I'm not a religious guy. It's not, it's not for me. And, and I think they say that because I use the term spirituality as well, because it's more broad. And I think people who are, um, and I'm not going to say atheists, but like not open to the idea or, or uh, anything attached to religion because they've got some strange concepts regarding system, systematic religion and um, that they right. don't want anything to do about it, to do with it. So I try to explain um, spirituality and, and, and how it ties in with religion or, in my opinion, and um, how that could be something very important for them and, and, and um, you know, very uh, potentially change their perspectives. But that's it's a topic I wanted to sort of touch on with you is um, because it's spoken about so often, you know, we just spoke about what it means to define masculinity. And if I said to you, how do you define spirituality? Because people always have it attached to these religious connotations. That it's like, oh, I don't want anything to do with that idea. Or no, 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 I don't believe in God or any woo-woo stuff like that. I mean, not sort of understanding what spirituality is. And, not, and to be honest, I'm not even sure. I entirely understand exactly what it is. How would you, in your words, describe spirituality? And how would you describe it? It uh, has ties to religion. I did a little research on this because I didn't know the answer to that question either. Uh, because especially I'm out in the woods uh, conducting rituals and people say they want to get more spiritual. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> what, 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 what do you mean? What do you want from that? What am I doing for you here? Uh, you know, cause I'd have good guys come out to rituals and so forth. And at the time I was doing Germanic pagan stuff and, and uh, they, you know, I'm like my experience of it, uh, leading it is totally different. I'm like, but I'm trying to figure out what they're getting out of it, you know, what they're coming to it for. And almost universally with, with men, I think spirituality seems to mean um, that they're searching for a connection to something bigger than themselves. Um, whether that be a bigger context of an idea. Um, and I could get really into the architecture of what I think belief is and like where, uh, how it formed because i feel like i've watched it form uh especially with guys in the woods and whatever and like from a proto level um but i think that to me because i'm i'm fairly atheistic myself i mean i was always an atheist as a kid and um you know organized religion i'm like you bunch of like you did con artists shut up uh <laughs> you know I, I was the kid who like uh I, I was raised catholic and i was the kid who was um like we have to you know you have to do confession or whatever and tell you what what all you did wrong and what why you're bad and all the sins and everything and all the other you know that you're supposed to most people like sit on the other side of the thing and the priest is over here and they're like you know like sin on things they did bad and the priest is like dad over here like well you shouldn't do that go say 10 hell marys and call me in the morning and uh you know i was like at like eight ten years old i'm like pulling a chair over to be like so hey 
uh, here's what I did. I don't even think it's wrong. <laughs> you know, like, uh, uh, I, I was that kid. Uh, so I've always been this way in, in that sense. I've always been really skeptical. I'm like, you sound like a bullshitter, you know, like, uh, like my mom always said, they didn't give me very good answers. Like I was, because the answer that they give is like, well, you have to have more faith. And I'm like, now that just sounds like trust the science. Uh, in 2022, that sounds like that's the science, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and I was tuned into that kind of stuff when I was a kid. So uh, I've always been very skeptical and I try to have my integrity about myself uh, in a sense that I don't want to be that guy either, uh, which has probably cost me a fortune. But uh, you know, it, it, as far as I don't want to be the guy who's telling you something that I don't believe. And I don't want to be just bullshitting people. And so that's really hard because then if I don't know what I believe, then you can tell that I don't know what I believe and I can't tell it to you. Uh, you know, and that's how that works. And uh, so I have to always be make sure that I'm, I'm saying something I actually believe. And so for me, I, you know, I actually got a good, really good question the other day uh, on the Instagram post because I, I started some shit. And, <laughs> and uh, so I... Uh, just because I saw some trends in, in, with Christians recently that I, that I really didn't like and uh, with in my space, like they can do whatever they want. I don't care. Have fun. Go, go be, be Christian over there. Uh, but, you know, like dealing with kind of taking over the stay solar thing and other things that I was like, stop. But I was one of the questions they asked me, I'm probably going to post about it is, is, you know, like, well, what do you believe? Do you actually believe in anything supernatural? And uh, that's a big question i've kind of skirted around that question a little bit because i don't want to i don't want to come off like a fruitcake of like like oh i believe in this weird shit i you know like i made up and uh <laughs> you know like uh like every i don't want to sound like an etsy witch and uh <laughs> it, you know I, I, like i believe in this like that elves talk to aliens but I, you know, I, I don't want to be that guy, uh, but I also, you know, I, I don't want to close down and be like, religion's bad, believing in anything is bad, because uh, I actually don't believe that. Uh, from, a, you know, from looking at things from an evolutionary standpoint or like how societies work or how humans work, I'm a very Nietzschean kind of guy, but that's the, that's the, oh no, I'm doing the thing. I'm talking about Nietzsche now. Uh, <laughs> you said I was going to do that. <laughs> but uh, um uh, yeah, as far as, as uh, you know, the the ideas, some of the ideas that Nietzsche talked about were basically like that, that uh, you know, he's always quoted as saying God is dead. But what he really meant was our, our because the church ruled everything up until X amount of years and they controlled what reality was when science started to take over and people started to have different beliefs, then everything was kind of up in the air. And and so then. Uh, all the consensus went away all the like we all believe the same thing we're on the same page that all went away and that's caused a big breakdown in society i think in a big way and he he saw that you know in the 1800s and we're still kind of dealing with that because you know how do you deal with that problem of like well we had god and god told us what to do so that was solid and then now everybody gets to make up their own rules and there's all kinds of different religions and other, i mean that's a different situation and, you know, so I'm very skeptical. I don't like Nietzsche's, he had this idea of Superman that everybody's heard of. Uh, it's the, the, the Ubermensch or the Superman is basically who's kind of beyond good and evil, beyond like the rules that everyone's created. 
and uh, makes his own rules and makes his own society and creates his own reason. And unfortunately, like if everyone does that, we have a too many chiefs, not enough Indian situation. And uh, that's not how society works. Most people actually want to be told what to do. They want to have rules. They don't want to figure everything out for themselves and make it up, like create reality from, from day one. Uh, so, you know, that's, you know, I, you need something in between. So uh, there, it's good that religion exists, I think, as good as anything else, because we've just seen what happens when the state takes over. Mm. And that's also bad. Uh, like that was a thing. Well, science will just replace religion. Well, we just saw how that worked. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure there's more to come, but so they're both, they both have problems, but, uh, I think religion is a lot, tends to be a lot more helpful for people, uh, in dealing with their everyday problems and, and, uh, their perception of reality and drawing inspiration from things. And I talked about belief earlier and, um, one of the things that I noticed about belief, especially with guys that were like, say, coming into Germanic paganism, like uh, with, you know, when for people who don't know, I mean, that's like North gods, like Thor and the Viking stuff. And uh, so they come into that and you'd see them wrap their head around one story. And then that story, they build it out in their own minds. Like that story became part of them and they build it out of their own minds. It becomes of their whole emotional and psychological architecture that that becomes very important to them. And there becomes this beautiful dream. It becomes this beautiful idea that then, you know, it's like a movie like, like that something you see something and it's so fucking awesome. It makes you cry. That's Superman for me right now. But like man, of, man of steel, like <laughs> you want to make Jack Donovan cry. Oh God, it's so perfect. Uh, but <laughs> you know, cause that's what I'm about. I mean, it's all his power comes from the sun. Uh, and so if you, this beautiful idea, and that's what religion really is. I mean, that's what God really is to most people. It's this beautiful idea and this perfected idea of how things really are, of how you want things to be and how things should be and, and everything you believe in. And so you create that idea a lot of times in your own, you, you know, you make that, but it starts with a, an outside stimulus, an outside story. And so I always, I, I've, I've said it in relationship with the, the, the Norse god Tyr, uh, because I've had guys who are like Tyr that's he's my dude and uh and 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 they're serious and that's it's not wrong uh you know that what they mean by that is that they're all about self-sacrifice because there's only one story about tear and i'm like that one story that tiny little story has now taken this uh, all this real estate in your head because it, it it's something that's really important to you a concept that really has nothing to do with i mean it has to do with the story but the story just illustrates it for you and so, and, and you know, the story of Tyr is basically like, I'm actually super good at telling bro versions of myths now. I don't know. I feel like I should have a different YouTube channel of like just bro versions of myths. But uh, if you want me to do that, I can, I can. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's basically, basically the, the, the Tyr is, is the God that he's kind of a second in command warrior God. And uh, so there's this wolf, it's going to eat the whole world. And uh, the gods are kind of trying to trick the wolf. And, the, and the, he bas basically, they're trying to be like, we need to tie up this wolf because he's going to create a lot of trouble. And then, uh, you know, they're coming out, coming to the wolf with all kinds of different things like, hey, we'll tie you up with this, Dan, because you're so cool. You're so, you're so strong. You can break it, break out of it, whatever. And then, uh, you know, and then he does. And then they're like, oh, you're so awesome. And then they keep making like increasingly strong things, trying to figure out what's going to like wrap him up. 
and they they come up with this like magical like rope that's made from like uh, the you know the roots of mountains and like the footfalls of kittens and like ridiculous things, and uh, and so they they're like hey and and he's like suspicious because I'm like you guys took some time on this, and uh, the, the wolf is suspicious and so he he won't agree to be wrapped up until Tyr puts his hand. He's like someone has to put their hand in my mouth, so I get a hand if you guys have tricked me, and the gods are actually doing some trickery stuff. And so Tyr does it because he makes their arrangement legal. He protects their honor. And so he puts his hand in the mouth of the wolf and they tie him up. The wolf can't get out. So he bites the hand and then Tyr becomes the one-handed god. And so military dudes love this story because it's all about self-sacrifice for a greater cause. Yeah. And, and anyway, so that's the story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've, I've done that a lot over the years. <laughs> it's, it's kind of fun. Uh, the bro, bro, bro myths with Jack Donovan. Uh, but, I uh, yeah. I listened to um, Neil Gaiman's version, uh, not version, sorry, uh, Norse Norse mythology. Yeah, my Neil Gaiman. I was painting a spare bedroom, and I listened to the uh, audio version. Uh, version, sorry. And um, yeah, it could definitely be um, dressed up a little. I mean, like from from voicing over particular characters and stuff, it was like uh, it kind of made it hard to listen to at times. But um, yeah, I mean that that actually, I it's it's all really accurate. Uh, to to what the myths are, you know, like uh, to how they're written. Yeah. Um, it's the Neil Gaiman one is all really accurate. Now, when I used to do rituals, uh, I mean, I really don't do it anymore. But when I used to do that, I would actually listen to those the audiobook of that a lot, like over and over again, so that I could kind of internalize and retell a story um, based on his, because his were actually historically accurate, you know. So and but you know, a little bit more fun to read than like the straight like Sturluson, yeah, it's not, uh, you know, Edis and whatever. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it, it it was good stuff, but yeah, it's 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 fun. But yeah, I, th I think the bro versions are funny. I did Gilgamesh for somebody in the car the other day. <laughs> Do you think that um, I mean, with you say that like people see parts of themselves in certain characters, especially yeah. relating to Germanic paganism. Um, I think sometimes in and what I've seen is that uh, with certain religions, like people will take a story and it's like a, a metaphor for some for one of numerous life problems you know and um the run with that is if like that defines uh themselves and their life and their religion and or their religious beliefs is like this one very very small aspect of a religion like um rather than and i think that's that's one of the beauties of it is uh well obviously not i'm, I'm sort of speaking very broadly but not all religion but in terms of these metaphorical stories that have a degree of uh, vague uh they allow you to interpret them to suit tackles or sorry, battles that you're dealing with in your own life. I think that's one of the important things. So you could not even be religious. And I think there are certain um, uh, stories that are going to have value in regards to problem solving. And I think that definitely uh, relates to Germanic paganism as in like, there's typically a dilemma and they resolve it one way or collectively, or, you know, using strength or honor or, or um, courage or whatever the case is, they resolve these problems. So I can see how people extract value from that. And I think yeah. that also touches on something greater, which I think I sort of derived this idea from perhaps something you had said previously was that they weren't necessarily designed to be taken completely literal as in like, you know, uh, and, and this may be a little bit controversial to say, but like, you know, that thought doesn't actually exist in the sky. He's not necessarily throwing thunderbolts around, but uh, you know, he's a re potentially a recreation of someone who existed, who's been formulated into this heroic figure for the sake of his lessons being more effective and, and 
uh, being more powerful for those who listen to the those metaphorical stories, for uh, lack of a better term. Um, that's kind of how I try to break it down um, so that people don't see it in like a, you must believe there's this mythical, mythical figure in the sky and you must get down on your knees or pray to them, whatever, as in try and see it as in a series of lessons in which you can extract wisdom from that may apply to your own life. And even that is religious, whether you believe in anything beyond, I mean, sorry, anything spiritual in a sense beyond that anyway. And uh, in my, like, that's where I think those sort of uh, potential ties um, are, I guess, with, I mean, spirituality is a hell of a lot more broader than that, of course, but that's uh, how I try and break it down. And like you said, you see, uh, you see people grab elements of, of stories and sort of roll with it because that's, that's something that they aspire to be potentially or a, a story that resonates with them. And, and if that's even elevating you to uh, demand more of yourself and your lifestyle, then, I mean, it's, it's more powerful in, in more than one way, obviously, regardless of whether you literally believe what's being said or written or has been said or whatever the case is. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's like my my uh, an old friend of my Greg Greg Hamilton used to say in, in when he taught firearms classes, he used to say that uh, he, uh, you know, if you want to become more courageous and heroic, you read stories about people who are courageous and heroic, and uh, you know when when it hits the fan and like you're whatever, you know, maybe you're gonna pull from that and try to be that guy, you know, like uh, be that guy in that moment, yeah. and uh, I think that that's the real. I mean, you see kids all the time, do I mean, kids pull from superhero movies and, and, and all this stuff they want to be, you know, inhabit that. And I think that's where it becomes really powerful for people. Now you, you mentioned um, uh, ritual practices before that you said you don't do too much anymore these days, but for people who don't understand and, and I'm still formulating this understanding myself. um, What is the, what's like, Give me a, a vague overview of exactly what encompasses ritual for you and what its intent or purpose is. Um, you know, it's always a loaded question, right? Uh, uh, for me, one of the reasons why I don't do it that much anymore is because I talked about a new framework for things in Fire in the Dark. And I would have to make that framework because I created it. Uh, you know, like I would have to like, this is how this kind of ritual is done. And I would have to make that from scratch so that it wasn't related to anything, you know, so it was its own thing. Um, and so, and I also think that ritual actually means the right or proper way of doing something. And so it is, you know, the way that they've done it that works the best over time. You know, so there's been some trial and error. And uh, it's the way that people interface with that supernatural thing whether it's supernatural and they believe it or whether it's a beautiful idea uh you know if you think about like uh you know a memorial day or you know any of the holidays that they have that are like that in the world like we're giving this this uh day to this idea i mean american they have thanksgiving you're gonna be grateful for a whole day and eat a lot of turkey uh but you know and so we're you're practicing gratefulness for is what want your thing for the day uh and obviously chris christmas they give to to jesus and that's what that that's it's all about this idea and and so you're in you're bringing together people to like experience this idea together 
in many cases with a ritual. And that's when they become really powerful for people because you can read all kinds of stuff in your own house uh, and, you know, just be in your own little world. And that's cool. And you can do rituals by yourself. And sometimes they can be really powerful um, for you personally. But there is a different thing when you have a whole bunch of guys standing around and they're all like keyed in on the same idea. Um, there's a vibe to that. And I think that as someone said this, and this is the kind of thing I probably get in trouble for, but uh, the someone's my friend of mine said the other day that there's like an old quote that like uh, that that God is for men and spirit and, and religion is for women, uh, <laughs> and basically like that 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 men are obviously always been, have always been interested in God and the idea and the bigger the idea of a bigger picture and concepts and things like that, but the everyday like oh we're going to go to the church social and whatever is a different that's a different thing. Uh, but yeah, if you could get, if you think about this primal thing, which I have experienced and it's awesome and I miss it a little bit is, you know, a whole bunch, like say focused on a rune, uh, and a rune is really just, uh, you know, a, you know, like a letter that, you know, Germanic pagans believe has concepts attached to it. And so you're talking about, you know, it's this tiny thing with a big idea. And so everybody brings to the table what that means to them. And then you're chanting like a rune all together. And then you're all kind of on the same psychological space. And I always say that uh, ritual is about identity because all those people, whether you're a Catholic or whether you're a Germanic pagan or any of these things, it's all really about identity. And, uh, you know, we, you're like, I am this, whatever I identify as, because I go to this place and do this thing. Uh, with other people and a lot of that that's what that that's what it became i think for a lot of we got a lot of guys who would come back to it and say like they would want to do it every month because it kind of like refueled them and it just reaffirmed our identity in the same way that people go to church every sunday and it reaffirms like how would you know that you're a christian if you didn't go and do the thing every week you know i mean pe people just say that they are and whatever but like it it affirms who they are and so, it, you know, it, it, ritual is a way that they kind of formalize that relationship with spirituality and these higher concepts. And so the way I do it might be the way that somebody else, I do it the way I would like to have it done. You know, it, like what kind of ritual I'd like to be in. Uh, so they're all different. I mean, and, and, you know, we can talk about like from an anthropological perspective, like initiation rituals, because that would have one function. Uh, you know, taking someone from one point of life to another point of life and like, this is, this is your role. And now that person dies. And now your new role is on the other side. And that's generally how like initiation rituals work. And uh, yeah, there's all kinds of ritual. Obviously, marriage is another kind of initiation ritual or like a marking of like this, this part ended, this started, this part began. And, uh, you know, a lot Sometimes rituals are just about like celebrating a story or a particular idea. Like, let's all get on the same page about tear uh, today. Like, we're gonna have a ritual about tear and talk about that story and and talk about self sacrifice for the guy on other group and 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 whatever. And so you all get keyed in on that idea. And you know, Christians do that too. And uh, you know, like all other religions have like we're gonna talk about this pa this passage from this our holy book today, and this is what we're all gonna get keyed up about. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of what ritual is. I mean, I think the, the other stuff is all aesthetic and, you know, like then, you know, then it becomes like a big 
conceptual project for like me, like, how do you, you know, like, well, how do you get them from point A to point B to where you, they're trying to have, I want them to have this experience and where, how do you create that? Uh, and so then that becomes a, a conceptual problem, like uh, that I probably think too much about. Uh, but uh, it, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's just a really interesting process to, to be involved in and watch. Cause obviously, you know, if you're a Catholic, I mean, they've already decided how those rituals are done. Uh, like that's, that's the right, that is the right of proven way. They've been doing it for like a thousand years, just that way in Latin. And uh, you know, like, but you know, if you're, you know, like a Germanic pagan, like, actually they don't know any of those rituals like you actually they're all made up um you know which people don't really understand they think they're they're getting into like they're like they're getting the ancient viking secret and like they're doing the thing the way they just did it in the old days but there's no real text to show you that uh so you you a lot of a lot of what i came to and this is probably too deep in the other direction so we can cut that off soon but uh it, it's a uh, a lot of what i got into even with stay solar uh, when I started talking about staying solar and whatever it was, you know, someone had come to my ritual and been like, are you guys just doing black magic? <laughs> and, and then I'm like, no, that wasn't my intent, but I could see why you said that. And I also know enough about the roots of where these rituals came from to say you have a point, you know? And, and, uh, and then I had to deconstruct that for my whole self and like, well, what part of this came from like, you know, Alistair Crowley ceremonial magic and like whatever, then then was adapted for like, well, how would you do one for Germanic pagans? And that's kind of how a lot of that stuff came out in the seventies. And uh, so a lot of things that people do are actually pulled from like the occult. And, uh, and so I had to kind of separate all this stuff. Like, why are we surrounded by bones? And like, and like, uh, you know, like, why, why, why are we, why do we look like we're celebrating death? And like, 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 what are we doing here? And uh, then I was like, I, I need, we need to brighten this place up. You know, like, like I'm like, we, you know, are we going to, is that what we're focused on? Is that what we're about? And so I just wanted, it was an investigative process for me where I had to figure out what I really wanted these guys to be, you know, like, am I trying to make them into like angry death cult members or am like, am I trying to like make them better at life? Yeah, you know, and the, the answer is better at life. So I, I, you know, I had to change the aesthetics and the way that I did things suppose a big um a big part of that too would be whatever you found in regards to the atmosphere and and how you structured it to conjure the right kind of energy based on what you're trying to get out of it i suppose at the same time right yeah yeah and then you know with anything you you like you react to what you're doing and then you push too far the other way and then you realize that you could be somewhere in the middle like and you know, so you pull it back and forth i was like I wanted to get totally away from the dark side of stuff of it. And then I went the other side, but I'm like, well, rituals are just better when it's dark and it's a fire. I've done daytime rituals and it's kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, it's, it's like, Hey, we can all see what's going on. That's you know, like, it's not <laughs> magical. Uh, I mean, you can still do it and be powerful for people and say good things and, and then whatever, but there's something about a little bit of darkness and obscurity and, and, uh, the unknown that like lets that in and let's because you're really interacting with kind of their dreams and their unconscious and their dream state so like it makes a little bit more sense so I, and i've done that with even my aesthetic too i was like i was like for a while i was like i can't be the solar guy i can't wear black you know like i i have to i have to stop that and uh you know i i have to like change that and then you know like 
there's so much of being a man and being heroic and whatever that actually has to do with interacting with chaos and death that men tend to define themselves with that. And that's why they like to wear shirts with angry monsters on them, which they do. And they always have. And so like, you know, like, I'm like, well, I can be okay with that. I just needed to reframe it for myself, you know? So I've, I've seen that aesthetic change too, uh, from when I've sort of first started following you on social media and so on. And, and the evolution of even down to, uh, clothes and, um, you know, the, the backgrounds of, of photos and, and the stories that you're telling us on, I've noticed, I've seen that evolution, yeah. um, which is interesting. And similarly, I've seen that in myself to a, to a small degree, not on that sort of scale or that any, it's sort of any, on any sort of scale that someone's even noticed, but I've seen that in myself at the same time, um, whether I was even aware that that was occurring or not at the time. Um, look, now, Oh, how do I how do I structure this question? We're, I'm just going to completely change direction of the conversation now. So, obviously, the the state of Western society at the moment let's let's call it that because it's the simplest term. Um, a little bit of disarray in regards to like cultural morality is if there's no common interests and and, and I'm not going to go like I've been theorizing and sitting on that topic of cultural morality for quite some time now right. that I'm sort of tossing tossing with that. Um, but rather than go down, go down that route, unless you want to talk about that, um, do you, and this is, you've probably heard this so many damn times and you've probably talked about it multiple times, but I sort of want to touch on it. Uh, do you believe that there is an agenda to feminize society, um, feminize the men of society, sorry, for the sake of the elites uh, advancing their position or obtaining wealth or, or what are your thoughts on that kind of theory? Uh, well, yeah. I, I was just laughing at like a little bit of disarray. <laughs> I was like, fuck, yeah. Put um, it like, lightly. A little bit. Uh, it, it, it was very polite. Uh, but uh, no, I, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I think that that's in the best interests of people to reduce people taking risks. Obviously, I mean, uh, I mean, insurance companies want you to reduce taking risks because that, that it reduces their, you know, everything's insurance and legal shit, you know, in, in many ways. Um, and as far as a big overarching agenda, I don't know if it's Klaus Schwab that's in charge of it or whoever, but, uh, it, you know, like I don't have a specific theory about that because I don't want to be wrong. Uh, it might be somebody else. It might be, actually be aliens. I don't know. Uh, but it, it's obviously a bunch of people have gotten together it's been like this is what we're doing um when you have like the un and the american psychological association and all all the different big agencies and and uh um uh institutions and so forth really pushing hard that you know men should not act like men they they shouldn't be strong that strength is bad. Saying that you should be strong is a mask of masculinity and it's putting yourself in a box. And, uh, you know, like all these things that, they, that are common, I see them, I've been doing this for a minute. So like I've see these things repeated over and over again, like, oh, another mask of masculinity book. Uh, you know, like they've been doing this for 30 years. But yeah, you see this stuff repeated over and over and over again. And we're past the point where I think that a, I think a sane person could be like, they, they clearly don't want men to be masculine. I mean, like that's the whole, the media is very much framed that way. Uh, culture has been framed that way. TV has been framed that way. And we could say how much of it is profit 
oriented or not. You know, it's always you can always make money by telling women what they want to hear. And, uh, you know, like men are bad. You're fantastic. Uh, (laughs) But uh, there's there's clearly something going on. And, uh, you know, men finally realized it. And I saw it a long time ago, but like men are really realizing it now. And so, like, I mean, I just got off the conference call with a bunch of pretty big deal dudes who were were putting together, uh, you know, a, a conference soon together. And so, like, uh, you know, they, and because now we're getting guys who are like have resources and big audiences and whatever, and they're concerned about what's happening to men and the way it's affecting society and and so forth and so it becomes a much bigger picture issue it's not just like you know when i started out you know it's like just some angry guys who got a bad divorce and like uh some dudes who can't get laid and some like uh you know like some some guys who just went down a rabbit hole on it and be like guys you know what this has happened tell them the truth (laughs) uh you know but now i think everyone sees it i mean especially obviously you know it's such a it's so dangerous. You can't even talk about, you can't criticize the trans thing. Uh, but I mean, that's a psyop. If you ever saw one, you know, like, uh, like let's, let's tell them that men have babies with a straight face. And then uh, like, like, let's tell them that men have babies and repeat it over and over and over again until everyone believes it. And then, you know, like, you like this, this, you know, this, whatever, you know this dude just beat all the women in american swimming because he's a dude and uh and 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 this is happening everywhere and it's clearly like the media is like this is fine this is what we're doing this is what we're doing now yeah like this is this is this is good this is good this is happening so i mean you can't and that goes down to this basic idea of like the whole trans thing is like saying that men masculinity and femininity don't even exist and it's just all collection of character traits and it's a denial of human nature which that was one of the big books that inspired me early on was Steven Pinker's The Blank Slate uh, because there was a I mean he was a pretty smart guy uh, who uh, you know this idea that we were just born like blank slates and like society and culture changes us and men there is no such thing as masculinity or femininity would they just just because mommy told you to have a blue outfit and that you know like the girl had a pink outfit and they're conditioned and that there's no nature at all which of course isn't uh, true and i don't think that even most science people believe that anymore uh there's just too much evidence to the contrary Hmm. but uh that hasn't stopped the train from moving you know like the train the train is that gender isn't real or there are 100 genders you know like there are whatever like 300 genders that you could possibly be and it's really to create confusion and chaos you know, like, because, you know, like, you're a man or a woman is pretty simple, you know, but if you could be anything, well, what am I? I'm confused. I have to figure it out. Like, you know, and maybe I'm this today and this tomorrow. And like, maybe I'm whatever the media tells me I am today. And it just makes people easy to control. Um, and it makes you know, me think of, of something you've said previously. Um, yeah. If something can mean everything, then simultaneously it means nothing at all. Exactly. Uh, and and you know, obviously, in regards to the gender conversation, that's exactly what's happening. That if if woman yeah. can mean anything, then it simultaneously means nothing. If man yeah. can mean everything, then simultaneously it means nothing. And the same could be said for for the term warrior or or, or um yeah. uh, honor. You know, for it to mean if in social media, and I think I've you've spoken on this before. Um, 
if if they start getting used in such a broad sense, they lose definition and therefore they lose power and therefore anything can mean anything. And, and I think Ian Smith put something up about this yesterday in regards to up means down and good is bad and, and yeah, disarray, you know, uh, we come yeah. back. To um, yeah, it's tri- they, they were doing it with tribalism before, like tribe, like your tribe is now, you know, your tribe went from being like tribe was like, you know, a group of people like in the Amazon forest that they found uh, to, uh, you know, your, your marketing email list. You're like, that's my tribe. You know, like, no, it's not, that's not a tribe. That's like people, you know, like, you know, like, or the people at your gym who pay you and until, until they don't, and then they're not in a tribe anymore, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. And sometimes those become your best friends and that is the way that works. But like, um, you know, it is, it, it became like an overused thing and became meaningless. And right recently I've noticed that ha- that's happening with hero. Hero is now like um, a marketing term for like your favorite part of your outfit. <laughs> like, like I've seen it used. I saw it with the British were doing it first and some, some clothes that I was buying, you know, like, like, like here are a selection of heroes for this month. And uh, it's like the best shirts that everybody likes. And like, and I'm like, oh, wow, that is, that's bad. Uh, and, and now I've seen it like in other, in American marketing or whatever, like, you know, like, and it's even, even my, like in web design, when I go into, you know, like the hero panel is the one that's across the, like, you know, this is the big splash on your website. That's the hero panel. You're like, again, so now hero means nothing. Yeah. Like hero. Well, that's just a, a thing on the, your web design or like your favorite polo shirt. You know, like that's not a, it's not a man who's risked his life to save people. <laughs> you know, you know, nothing like that. You know, you know like, look, I mean, it, it's just really, really crass. <laughs> so if um, with this uh, complete deconstruction of um, what it means to be a man and, and attempts to feminize society or so it, it seems, um, what do you think is, is the greatest thing that people can do? Well, men specifically, what is the greatest thing that men can do specifically to be the counterculture to that, to that development um, as time goes on? What can we do even down onto an individual level um, to work against what's, what um, Western society is evolving into? Um, well, it depends where you're starting. That's a problem with, with it. Because you know, there are guys at like level negative zero uh, masculinity. And, you know, like, maybe you need to lift a weight, you know, like, (laughs) you know, like, maybe you need to like lift a weight and like do it, you know, like, do something that's, you know, harder than like eating pizza. And, and, you know, so there's that level of it. And then I've had this conversation, you know, with dudes who are like ex-special forces. So like, you know, they're so broad because it depends what your entry point is. And, uh, but I think that for most guys, like, uh, you know, if, Obviously, the, there's the things that you can do that are physical, which tend to be also psychological. You know, like they, they, they feed into each other because you are your body to a certain extent. And, uh, you know, it, like by being strong, you're already, you know, doing something. You know, you're not just like deciding to like just be like a piece of garbage on your couch watching television, you know, like with your meta goggles on uh, and like you're fading into the like the, the matrix uh, but you know, obviously go out and, and interact with other men. Most men don't have friends. Uh, and that's our curse in a way is that women make friends really easily, or at least, at least frenemies really easily. Uh, but, uh, men, 
you know, we take a long time to trust each other. And so like, you know, I'm just getting the point of my jujitsu gym that like, I'm like, they know my name and like, you know, I've been there for like a year. <laughs> I mean, they knew my name before, but like, yeah, we're like, you know, like they, they talk to me, they know about me, how I'm doing, whatever, you know, and uh, you know, it, it, where they're glad to see me and maybe like invite me to a thing, you know, you, and you can push that, you know, like you can be more outgoing. I'm not very outgoing with stuff like that, but um, you know, so have build those relationships with other men and you really do have to like, you know, force yourself into situations where you do that because they definitely don't want groups of men to be anywhere near each other. Uh, I can tell you that, uh, that's, that's something that's definitely on the agenda. And, um, I think by having a collection of men who are pushing you to be a better version of yourself, uh, that stops you from like sliding into like the modern mediocrity to a certain extent. Now, when it comes to the bigger picture, what can you do to change society? That's different because it depends on what your talents are. Mm. and what your situation is i mean i know dudes i mean my dude right now and i'm so glad that he returns my messages sometimes uh is ian smith uh you know i got to meet a couple times actually we've hung out a couple times and uh you know he was just a dude he's just a gym rat and uh you know you're gonna close my gym no you're not gonna close my gym and like took all the heat for everybody to do it and now he's running for congress yeah and uh so you know there's that uh <laughs> you know like that's a pretty good example of what you could do um you know like and he's the man at the moment and that situation happened and he had the resources or like support at the time to be able to make that happen um i mean i'm not running for congress anytime soon uh that wouldn't work out very well for me i'm pretty sure but uh you know, for a lot of guys that is possible that that is on the table or like, you know, it doesn't have to be zero to a hundred like that. I mean, I know I talked to one of the guys at my uh, jiu-jitsu place and, uh, you know, he's a guy maybe a little older than me and he was concerned about stuff. And he was asking me that, like, what do, what do we do about this? And I'm like, I'm like, do you go to any of your like city council meetings or like school board meetings, or, you know, like, or anything like that? And he's like, actually, yeah, I started to. And I'm like, well, you're a 240 pound black belt that, that just walked into the door to like make a ruckus. I think that like, you know, like to, to, to assert his opinion professionally, you know, uh, I think that that matters. Our presence, men haven't been part of the system for a long time. And that's why it's so bad. Uh, we, we like let it go and like let, you know, like here, you guys run it for us. We're going to go make money and, you know, like fuck bitches, get money. And we're, we're going to go do that. And uh, you can uh, run the world for us. And uh, I'm sure you'll do a fine job. <laughs> well, that didn't work out. And, and so like, we have to do whatever we can to get back involved and take the reins of that, whatever that looks like. I mean, I know a guy who I follow in Canada, who's like tried to run for office and has been really active in things. And, and uh, I mean, the last couple of years, obviously it'd been pretty messed up for a lot of different places. Uh, I mean, I had to move, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, do you, you do what you can, uh, but you know, like, I think it woke a lot of people up that there's something that they need to do. Um, you, and you know, hopefully they can do something before there's nothing to do. You touched you know, on a good I, point, utilizing yeah. your talents. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's overlooked as, uh, I often say, uh, just be the, the best version of, you know, sorry, be the best man that you can be. 
Um, yeah. And, and you'd like to believe that your living example affects your family and therefore affects your town and wider uh, sorry, community and then wider town. And, and it sort of has that flow on effect, ideally, ideally. But obviously, uh, on the, if you start, if you're someone who has the capabilities to enter politics and climb that, then you can obviously have a, a greater, wider and, and greater effect down the line. Um, Sean Zimmer, is that the Canadian you're talking about? Oh, no, it was a different guy, but I know who that ah. is. Oh, yeah, uh, cool. He's, he's doing a thing, too. Uh, yeah. 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 Be following I, mean, I, I got to a point where I got, like, half my news from, from Ian. So, like, yeah, he's on, the, he's on that same feed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's one of the guys. Um, so, you said uh, you go to a jiu-jitsu gym. And, um, obviously, on your social media, you've put up that you uh, roll um, every sort of, what is, sort of, like, once a week at least or – at least once a week. Uh, right now, I'm like, you know, I'm an, I'm an old fellow. So, like, uh, I'm older than I look. <laughs> so, like, uh, uh, yeah, like, my, my forearm is bugging me, and I don't want my tendon to go. Because uh, that's a thing. You know, like, dudes in their mid-40s, like, oops, bicep snap. Um, and I would like for that not to happen. I would like to not have that surgery or the six months off that it involves. Uh, so, I'm just kind of baby in that because you know i i was rolling with an mma fighter uh it was pretty good uh, and uh uh like he tapped me like three times in like five minutes and and uh the last one he he i have a bad habit of like you like okay you got me and i should have tapped physically because he like just pulled a little bit harder on the way inside so i was like i've been feeling that for a week or so so uh um, I, i'm i don't think it's probably a thing i'm probably gonna get some body work done but like, and, and maybe it's, it's probably just my muscles seize up, you know, but uh, I try to do that at least generally speaking, uh, at least once a week, generally, usually more uh, two to three times, uh, you know, a good week would be four, uh, you know, just to keep that up. It depends what I was doing. I talked about this on a different podcast earlier today. It's like, uh, you know, whatever you want it, whatever your goal is. And I've seen you do different, different things over the years, uh, whether it's boxing or, or lifting or whatever. Uh, whatever you're doing at one time is going to take away from the other things that you're doing. And so you kind of have to focus on this or whatever. So, you know, I hired a bodybuilding coach at the beginning of the year and I'm just like, well, I only got so many years on this, this model here and I got to see what I can uh, do with it. Uh, I'm like, can I look like a statue? Like, what can I do? And uh, so and that's just for me. Cause I want to do it before I can. And uh, so I've been doing that for the past few months and that's been going really well and been very instructive and, and kind of cool. But, you know, if I'm, you know, I already, I did my 35 minutes of cardio this morning and now sometime before the end of the day, I have podcast stuff all day. So I'm going to, I need to go and do back uh, for probably an hour and a half later today uh, to keep up. So I'm doing all the things that he had programmed for me because it's just a lot of volume. And so, but it's, it's been working. I feel pretty, I, I think I'm at best ever, ish you know like maybe a little bit better than best ever like overall so uh that's kind of cool for being 47 and best, uh, best so, in terms of like um the leanest that you've been or the best physique you've presented best overall physique yeah. i would say uh, i mean because i mean i've been maybe a little leaner but like at one like 90 and like right now i'm like 200 like i've i've lost about four pounds in three months but we've recomped a lot. Yeah. So, um, I'm, you know, like 
and you know, like my legs are better than they were probably when I was doing that before. And like, you know, I, and so I've been bigger probably, but I was probably fatter. And so, you know, it's, it, you figure out all those things, but like overall, as far as how I would photograph and uh, just symmetry and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, and then, you know, bodybuilding, you just give yourself body dysmorphia in the worst way. Uh, you know, <laughs> like that's just what that that is body bodybuilding is body dysmorphia at a port it's like i already look better than like 90 percent of you like 95 percent of men my age probably 98 and uh and then uh but like oh but like you know i'm still a little fat here and like my 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 lats could be so much bigger and like you know and then you know like uh, I, I need to balance that out over here and uh, he told me that my hamstring i was quad dominant and you know, so you just get all this balancing thing that, you know, it's a neat, it's a neat thing. You know, it's like, I'm already strong. I don't have to worry about like, Oh, am I weak? Uh, am I weak and just trying to be pretty? I'm already really strong. So like, I'm not, and you, you're not going to get weaker doing bodybuilding, you know, cause it's a lot of volume and it's a lot of strength stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, like people always think the bodybuilders are weak and I'm like, I'm watching these guys, Cause I feel like a little tiny person at, at this, cause it's like for all for professional bodybuilders. And so like they, the, those guys are push, pushing some weight, yeah. uh, you know, it, they're just doing it more times than like powerlifters. So like, yeah. uh, it, it's a, it, it's, it's a weird thing, but like, uh, you know, I just like to kind of ride it out for a little, I'm going to take a break here. I I'm going hunting pigs in, uh, uh in next beginning of next month. Uh, my friend has a, he's starting to starting his business called high caliber hunts where he's taking guys out to, you know, just kind of shoot pigs from a blind. It's not like, like we're going to like kill them with dogs and like possibly get gored. Uh, it's, you know, we're just going out hunting and hanging out with the guys and like breaking apart the animal and, and, and whatever. And so we're going to go do that. Uh, just cause I was, I've always kind of wanted to do that. And hunting is kind of a hassle. Um, depending on where you live in America, it's, it's it, like, if you live in the South, yeah, you go out in grandpappy's like backyard and like shoot a deer and like probably don't even need a tag. And then like, you know, if you did it with like in Oregon where I was, like you get in a lottery system that you might get a tag every three years or so. You know, it's it's just very like, yeah, it depends where you are and how much hunting there is and like how how desirable it is. And uh it's uh becomes kind of an ordeal. And so when you have the guy set it up for you, it's, it's a little bit better. Cause that's a whole project in itself, you know, unless you have a lot of land and you can hunt on your own land, but uh, you know, it's, it's um, funnily, funnily quite um, like I'm in Tasmania, which is right yeah, down the yeah. bottom of Australia. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like fucking 75% uh, either forest or bush, you know, it's, it's really, yeah. really dense. So there's wildlife everywhere. Like really, really um, uh, like, so what a good contingent of, of animal that is usable as uh, a meat viability resource, if that makes sense. Except all the uh, jargon you have to go through regarding licensing and tags and like lotteries with lots and all that sort of thing, because a lot of forestry um, owns, uh, sorry, a lot of the primary spots for hunting is owned by forestry. So you need permission and, and apply for this and apply for that and so on. Um, despite the numbers continually climbing and we're almost like it's, it's sort of harming the agriculture industry to a degree that there's so much, so much game around that they're like, you know, eating crops and eating grass and the, the, the uh, stock would typically need, but it's a bit of a headache, but um, to 
you know, abide by all the laws and actually become uh, self-reliant that way. Like, like you said yourself, you'll need a heap of land for it to be practical in any sort of sense, or just to like have a good system where you don't really pay attention to the law too much. And uh, just sort of do it yourself. Also don't post that to Instagram because they (laughs) (laughs) definitely be selective about that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, I saw you started uh, chess magazine with, um, uh, Tanner Guzzi, um, oh. some time back. How's it going as a project? Um, it's interesting to feel the way through it. Uh, I mean, it just, it started out with one idea kind of, and then it's just kind of become, uh, another idea in terms of interviewing people. Um, I, it became important to me because, you know, the world's upside down in a lot of ways. And it became, you know, the fact that I get to use it to go in and hang out with Ian and, and interview him or like some of these other guys who are actually doing things. Uh, I think that something that became important to me was that maybe we could everyone on the other side, whatever that means to you uh, is gets all these puff pieces written about them, about how wonderful they are, uh, you know, all the time. And from experience, I can tell you that like, like I have nothing but garbage written about me. Uh, and so I guess I tried to do what I wish someone would do for me. Uh, you know, like, I'm like, I'm a pretty nice guy. I've done some good things. Uh, maybe, maybe I could get a nice piece of an article about me. That'd be cool. Uh, you know, and, uh, and, and so I felt like a lot of the other, other guys could use something like, you know, who's going to tell their story, uh, you know, who's going to tell their story in a positive way. And not just like, you know, like, you know, Facebook goes, Instagram or Facebook you know, goes away or whatever. Like, where does that story go? Mm. Uh, you know, they just deleted you. Uh, you no longer exist. And there, no one has ever cared about you, even though you had like 500,000 followers and like a whole movement raised around you. Like what happened? And so it was really important to me to like, you maybe do some nice interviews with these guys who I admire because I'm not going to do a nice interview. I just won't call them if I don't admire them. But uh you know, do a positive write up about some dudes. I, I have one. If I wouldn't have gotten robbed last week, I, 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 I should have chest should have came out last week. Uh, I have, I interviewed Elliot Hulse. I've met him a few times. And uh, so we did a zoom call a few months ago and, and um, I just need to finish writing that up. Uh, but you know, it's, it's been a platform for me to reach out to, to guys and, and maybe have a conversation with them. Uh, Cause everybody has podcasts and podcasts are cool. We're on one right now. Um, and uh, video conversation, whatever, but a written thing is a different thing. It's a, it's a different uh, thing. Cause not everyone's going to sit and listen to everything that you said, yeah. you know, like, uh, but the article is there and it's searchable and it's SEO and you, you know, like it's, it exists. And I'd like to see if we can make chest a printed thing once a year so that it exists as a book in the world. So like that, this is a document of that, that this is happening. And then, you know, people write about it later, you know, and so, uh, I'm very legacy oriented in, in a certain way. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad there's a, couple, there's a bunch of my books in libraries around the world, which is kind of neat. And, uh, you know, like what is, what is here after I'm dead. And so if we can, you know, create something positive like that for some of these guys, I think that's important to me. And, uh, so going forward, I think we'll have to figure out how, what that looks like for us doing it. Cause it doesn't make any money. Uh, so it, it, I'm not good at making money. I need someone else to do that job, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and figure out how it either makes money or it just doesn't take up as much of my time. 
uh because it takes me about you know between, i hire you know the guy a couple guys to write articles and i i have to edit them and then i designed the website because we didn't want to spend money on that so i did all that and so um you know how you know i have to figure out how i um uh, make that continue because i i've now put it out there so now i have to i feel personally obligated to make sure that it continues in some form so i think for, it's a, for another few years it's certainly a great idea i mean it's a similar i similar um intent with what i'm trying to do with podcasting as well but like you said yourself every every man and his dog almost has a podcast at this stage and the the worst thing is and again you just said it yourself that you can't effectively search like you know it's not as if you can put into google uh conversations that contain this you know what i mean you kind of just got to get lucky sometimes and sometimes you waste an hour listening to podcasts that like kind of didn't hit anything you were hoping it would be for example um funny funny you say about that like i admire that that you want to uh write good things about people who are doing good things even though the media may be uh working against them to a degree because my girlfriend bought um a sky without eagles for my birthday recently and uh she looked on wikipedia for whatever reason (laughs) said your name and Bitches. i said <laughs> <laughs> that makes me so mad I, I like there's nothing you could do about it wikipedia is like you can't even sue them like they're they're they're, 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 they're like they, they, they have all the power to do anything and like you can't sue them they can't they can say whatever they want it's you know and I remember, I remember listening to you on, a, on another podcast explaining the situation regarding yeah. contacting them and saying, this is not true. Like, this is complete bullshit. And I yeah. said, I, I said, when she said, oh, my God, is it? I said, no, that's not the case at all. I said, all, a lot of that yeah. is just bullshit. They're just trying to demonize him because they know he has value in what he is saying. And it's yeah. fucking counterculture to what the current direction of, like, leftists or whatever the hell they are that are writing Wikipedia yeah. or uh, editing or yeah. whatever the case is. I mean, it's somewhat flattering. I mean, that, like, I mean, like... Well, some book from Oxford Press that they cite throughout that article. It's some Antifa guy, but like some book from Oxford Press has me one of the top thinkers of the right. Like, like, <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm, it's like 10 guys and I'm one of them. Uh, and I'm like, wow, I'm very powerful. Uh, you know, I, I like, I, I don't feel that powerful. Uh, but uh, <laughs> apparently like I can move armies with my mind uh you know like that's not really the case <laughs> but uh you know that's what they want to go you know like the soros funded organizations want to, to focus on so uh that's what they're gonna write uh you know so i guess like i said i guess it should be flattered i mean I, i'm at least someone thinks i'm important <laughs> <There you go. laughs> um look i've taken plenty of your time uh up to this point so i want to wrap it up with a couple of questions and uh, i hope i i hope you thought about this prior because i don't want to sort of catch you off guard Sometimes I sort of catch people off guard with these questions. I sort of, oh, fuck, I should have thought about this like uh, prior, but I reckon you'll be able to answer them regardless. So, uh, and you've kind of, you kind of briefly explained this uh, earlier in the conversation anyway, but what do you believe is the way forward uh, for modern men? uh, Mm -hmm. And and what is that going to look like in Western society? What will the future look like? Do you believe if um, we do or don't, uh, fulfill our destinies as men and our in our roles in society. Well, I mean, uh, I think Damn it! I did. You, now you call it, told me I was going to talk about Nietzsche, and every time I do it, I'm like, <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the Nietzschean last man. Uh, you know, they call him bug men. It's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the uh, you know this guy who just goes to work every day, really has no identity, no friends, nothing to do. Uh, 
you know, and is completely plugged into the system and just does whatever he's told and is like, yes, okay, that'll be fine. You know, like, yes, yes, men, um, you know, who, you know, like have really nothing going for them and they're, they're easy to just push over. They don't have, uh, you know, they're not going to stand up for anything or do anything. They're just like cogs in the machine. I mean, that's, that is what is desired. Uh, you know, why wouldn't you desire that if you're in charge, mm. you know, like, like these people are creating too much trouble for me. Like, like, man, we, can't we make them more passive? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just logical because uh, you don't need them to defend anybody. It's like we have plenty of armies and we have missiles and drones and things, you know, we don't need them to do anything for us. We just need them to shut up and go to work. And uh, so, I mean, I think that's what it looks like if we don't do anything because that sucks for us. Do you want to be that guy? I don't want to be that guy. Um, and obviously, you know, we, we've seen what that'll look like on a person-to-person basis if everyone's weak and passive, you know, the first, well, I think violence is golden. You know, the first one who picks up a weapon becomes like very powerful. Mm. And, uh, you know, I mean, I just experienced that this week, you know, like uh, if you, you know, like uh, people were still going to rob you and uh, people, are, women are still going to get raped and people are still going to get robbed and like human nature is not going to stop. I mean, I'm always amazed that there's not more crime and murder in the world. I mean, people get angry all the time. Uh, and you know, if society just becomes more passive and like, no one does anything about it. It's like, Oh, you know, like we become like herds of deer, like, uh, you know, like, Oh, so, Oh, they picked someone off, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, they picked off Harriet, you know, like, uh, like, Oh, well, <laughs> you know, and then you just move on. And, uh, I mean, I think that's what's desired because they don't want us to care about people near us, uh, any more than everyone. And they, you know, they want everything to be interchangeable. Um, Cause then, you know, like I always say like nothing really matters at that, at that scale, like nothing means anything. And also nothing really matters. Like, well, you shouldn't be mad that you're starving, that you're, you're, you're poor because there are poor people in Africa and, and mm. uh, you know, we were going to take your money and give it to them. And uh, whether that's Africa or, or like China or wherever, um, you know, like, well, maybe like, so, you know, like they give money to American. I don't know. Like, uh, we might need a minute. Uh, but, you know, like, why should you care about your own survival? We are citizens of the world. Uh, you know, and I think that that's what's wanted. You know, and it, it, we just become drones. And uh, I think that that's the future that desired. And uh, so that's the alternative. And I think, I think it's pretty scary. And I don't know why other people don't. Uh, you know, like I don't like I don't know how other people aren't as concerned as I am about it. Um, you think it's perhaps because uh, people kind of can't see beyond the end of their own noses, as in, like, if it's not an immediate problem in my world, then it's not a problem at all, regardless of what kind of world my children or their children may be growing up in. It doesn't affect me, so I don't really care. Seems to be like a way too commonly held consensus. Part of it, and also, um, a lot is demanded of you if something is really wrong. Hmm. if if we if if i've chosen to believe that the people in charge are doing everything that they can and they're they are benevolent then i have no responsibility to do anything about it i have no responsibility like oh my family's having a tough time but they're trying the hardest to help us 
uh, they aren't actually trying to hurt us on purpose. You know, <laughs> like, cause if, if they were trying to hurt you on purpose, that would mean you had to protect your family from that. And that's a very hairy discussion to, that's a very hairy thing to deal with. And so I think that most people would rather believe the pretty lie that, you know, like, oh, they have our best interests in mind. And uh, so, so no responsibility comes with it effectively. Yeah. 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 If, 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 you know, if something, yeah, like if something's really wrong, then it's up to you to do something about it. And uh, no one wants to do that. So, yeah. you know, that's, so I, I think that, yeah, we have, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what men have to do and take that responsibility and understand, and, you know, realize that something's wrong and they have to do something about it. And that doesn't mean FBI that you take in things into your own hands or <laughs> become mass shooters or anything. That, that, that just means that like, what we were talking about um you know as far as you know like uh you know going out working in your community and standing up for things and and uh uh, you know helping support people who are doing better things because that's a big part that's needed too you know like not everyone can has the same risk tolerance for whatever reason um you know if you're you've been in jail and you're on probation you can't do as many things as the other guy you know um who isn't you know, cause you have people breathing down your neck all the time, but you can support in, in whatever way you can, uh, people who are fighting the good fight and doing something important in the world. That kind of ties into what was going to be my next question. Um, what is the single most important piece of advice you can give young men, um, in regards to changing themselves in the world? And you kind of, uh, we've sort of touched on that and you kind of just touched on it yet again, but, let's put it in a different context. A young man comes up to you and says, Hey, Mr. Donovan, what can I do as an average male uh, in Western society who watches Netflix of a night time and doesn't really eat as well as he should, and probably doesn't exercise as much as he should. What's a single piece of advice that you would give that person, or even a piece of philosophy that you would provide that person in order to try and um, get them to change the trajectory of their life or adopt responsibility. What would you effectively say? Uh, I think a good answer is, is, is a more of a question is that who do you want to be? Uh, I mean, is this who you want to be? You know, like, is, is this, is this what you want to amount to? Is this is Netflix guy? Uh, you know, like is Netflix and takeout. Uh, you're a consumer. Uh, you just want to be a consumer. Do you want to produce anything? Um, and if you have a better version of yourself that isn't just some jerk off fantasy of like, I'm heroic in my own mind. Uh, and you know, something you brag about on the internet and do nothing. Uh, if you have a version of yourself that you would rather be, why are you not being that and working towards being that? And, you know, cause that'll change you and open up all kinds of things. So if you're, you know, if you know, you're going to the gym is like done a, a, you know, presented almost as a catch all, but I mean, it, it is important, uh, you know, like, cause you've changed your body, you change your life to a certain degree, you know, like if you're not, you know, if you're just a fat slob or just, you know, like just really unhealthy generally, uh, I mean, being healthy, it's weird to me when you see someone who's been like super heavy all their lives and like, you don't even know what feeling healthy feels like. You know, like that's, that's very strange to me, you know, like, but yeah, I mean, I guess I was never really super unhealthy, so I wouldn't, you know, uh, 
say I didn't had that experience, but you know, I've been, I've been chunkier in my life and like, you know, it's, uh, it, you know, there's a big difference, you know, like in, in how you feel and uh, how you interact with the world and how the world interacts with you. Um, your presentation to other people changes and what they, what they believe that you are. And uh, you know, so you only have this one chance you know, like, why are you, you, why that's, that would be the question. Like you only have this one chance if, if figure out who you want to be and, and work towards being that person, uh, being that man, because like, no one's going to do that for you. Uh, you, no one can do that for you. It's even if, if you've got all the privilege in the world, uh, you still have to become that thing. And there's no one who can do that, but you. I think that's a, an excellent bit of advice and a really good note to, um, finish this conversation uh, i've taken plenty of time jack and for that I, i'm very appreciative and uh, i hope there's a a lot of um uh wisdom i'll call it that can be extracted from this conversation due to contributions that hopefully the listeners can uh can take and uh, apply their own lives especially uh with what you just summarized there for anyone who may be thinking it's time to uh better themselves i think you posed a really important question just there and i think that's really powerful so thanks again, Jack, for your time. Much appreciated. And uh, hopefully we'll talk again in the future soon. All right. And I'll obviously cut it off there.